0: So Money, Episode 765, Petra Kolber, author of the new book, The Perfectionism Detox.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
0: Raise your hand if you're a perfectionist or aspiring perfectionist. Maybe you are a teacher's pet, a relentless overachiever talking to you, my friends, my compadres. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnush Tarabi, a self-described overachiever. And yes, teacher's pet, always looking for the extra credit, sat in the first row, raised my hand, even when I didn't have the right answer. I'm really excited to invite our guest today, Petra Colbert, to the show. Petra believes that perfectionism actually holds us back, and I couldn't agree more. She says that trying to be perfect equals loss of joy. Based on decades of experience in the health and wellness industry, Petra now teaches people all over the world how to overcome unhealthy perfectionist tendencies. And I know it's especially difficult these days as we surf the internet and social media and go through people's Instagram feeds and start to eventually feel very bad about ourselves because everyone is portraying beautifully edited version of their life, and that doesn't always help. Petra's documented her top tips and strategies in a new book, which I'm really excited to share with you. It's called The Perfectionism Detox. Tame your inner critic, live bravely, and unleash your joy. In addition to being an author, Petra is an international speaker with 25 years of experience speaking to groups and companies about finding joy. So very happy to have her as my guest today. Looking forward to soaking up her wisdom. Welcome to the show. Here we go. Petra Kolber. Petra Kolber. Welcome to
1: So Money. So, I mean, well, first welcome. I'm going to want to give you the chance to say hi. Hi. Thank you. It is so great to be here talking with you. So thank you for your time.
0: My pleasure. I have a, I have to remember to do that sometimes with guests because I want to like go right to it. And then they, they're like, wait, but I want to say hello. So. <laughs> hello. Great to hear your voice. I'm just so excited because, you know, we met at a, an event that Ali Brown hosted in New York recently. Allie Brown um, is an amazing entrepreneur and she's been on this podcast and she has a podcast called Glambition. And she is from, well, she lives in Colorado, but she was here like hosting an event with some cool women. And I had the great opportunity to kind of like get to meet you for the first time. And you're just so amazing in person. I was like, we have to do a podcast. So um, it's nice to be able to This is why
1: I love New York. Can I just say I love New York? I know. You know, everyone thinks it's such an unfriendly city, but I feel like... All of New York, especially the women, are such a community of raising each other up, and um, and Ali's um, evening was just an example of that. I had seen you on an event with Leanne Jacobs for her book mm-hmm. launch, and you were pregnant at the time, yeah, I believe. Very. And I'm a big fan of yours, and you were so gracious. And just to share with your audience, my audio was a nightmare last week, and you were super busy, and we did a do-over because life's not perfect. But I just your generosity and your great spirit. I just want your listeners to know that you are all of what you appear plus more behind the scenes. Oh, I, think that's in, I think that's important for people to know that.
0: <laughs> that's really kind. That's really sweet. Listen, so we did record a little bit last week and we just are doing a do-over now. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you last time early on in the interview, which I didn't get to, I forgot, is that the New York Times voted you most likely to succeed A long time ago. Yes. Tell me about that. That's like so. Okay. Maybe like in high school, you're voted most likely to succeed, but the New York Times friggin' voted you most likely to succeed. So tell us all about that.
1: This is an interesting story because I talk about this a lot in my keynotes, especially around this idea of not being. Enoughness. So it was back in the day, gosh, I think like I think nineteen ninety-four to be exact. It was right in the heyday of VHS tapes. Fitness was on its, you know, fast tracking. And it was on the Sunday Times, which is huge to be in the Sunday Times on any page is good. Yes. And it was listening, it was list it was such a cute article. It was listing, I think there was eight of us at the time, like the top VHS fitness experts per se. And it was all like it was kind of like a school article, and you'd be voted most something. And mine was, and I was just, I got flowers from Reebok the day after because it was such a great article. And I was working with Reebok at the time. And I said, Petra Colbert is voted the most likely to succeed. And the reason I'm kind of interesting you brought that up is because this is, you don't get much more of a higher accolade than that in the fitness world. And even with all of that, I still felt like, ah, uh, I need to be smarter I need to be thinner. This whole idea of enoughness, whether it's around money or ourselves or our business, even with the New York Times telling the world, basically, they think you're going to succeed. I could always find a fault and a flaw with my own story around that article. I cannot believe that. I
0: can't believe you felt that way, but I guess that's the, that's the issue, right? That a lot of us are walking around wearing masks that even I have really bad days. And, you know, it's just one of those things that we live in a culture, especially today. I mean, you're talking about 1994 VHS tapes, (laughs) you know, fast forward to 2018 and we have Instagram and um, so much transparency around, well, well, I don't know if you call it transparency, but there's like, there's an openness now where we're sharing so much and there's a pressure to sort of at least uh, exude this particular lifestyle and um, having it all togetherness. And so your book is called The Perfection Detox. And I imagine it's much of it is like you being able to deconstruct your pursuit of perfection why is that? What does it mean? Like your struggles with that. Um, and now sh- and I'm giving us a, pers- a kind of a, a roadmap to avoid some of those perils.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, not everyone sees themselves as a perfectionist, but I do believe, especially, you know, a lot of women I speak to, there's this idea of. I'm not this enough or that enough or I should be more of this or my this idea of confidence catching up to who, you know, I'm kind of posting on social media. And one of my favorite sayings is by Stephen Furtick and he says, the reason we're all struggling with insecurity is because we're busy comparing our backstory to everyone else's highlight reel. And I just can't imagine in today's age, and look, I'm putting myself out there right now with a new book and already I'm seeing the Amazon reviews coming in. And it's like, how do you know not let the critics get to your heart. And then when the good times happen, do not let the praise get to your head. So I don't know, I mean, how we have to build our resilience and grit in this world where, Yep, it's great. I'm not I'm not bashing technology because it's allowing us to have this conversation. It's it can allow you to pivot your brand without a PR company behind you and there's this immediate judgment whether people are for you or against you. They like what you say, they like don't like what you say. They like what you're wearing and it can just be exhausting. So how do we show up and do the work so we can be our best self? not compare myself to yourself or anyone else. Use others for inspiration versus comparison and live in this world that is very quick to judge but yet use technology and this immediate outlet that we can now tap into people's hearts around the world without breaking a little bit of our own heart each time we take a judgment on personally. That's such a beautiful message
0: and important work. So how do we show up? How do we find the fine balance between using technology and not using it, not letting it ruin us? Um,
1: maybe you can tell us how to do it by sharing also how you did it. Well, I think it's in regard to technology per se, um, our negative Critic, our inner judge per se, she loves an idle brain. And so if you're going on to technology, let's say we go going on to social media to post something that's uplifting and inspiring, we're putting out goodness into the world because we know the world needs. More goodness. So we're going on with intention and with our full attention. The thing is, we often use social media as an avoidance strategy. We don't allow ourselves to be bored. We don't allow ourselves to sit in the quiet. So we immediately, it's become this really negative habit, I would say, in most of our instances. If I'm scrolling, Without intention and with just partial attention, it's the perfect place for my inner critic to start comparing my story to everyone else's story and their success and then their book and, you know, your podcast versus like aye I, aye, aye. But if I'm going on with a reason and a positive one to influence and impact people's lives in a good way. And then I get on, I create a positive impact or a positive message. Maybe I'll look at some other people, other people's posts and celebrate their successes. Never in that comparison mode, it never wins. And then I get off. I know for me, and it's always asking myself this one question, I go back to the metrics we used to use when I was in the fitness world of the VHS tapes, totally aging myself with that and scrunchy socks and a headband. But this whole idea of the metrics of a weight on the scale or the size of your jeans, my thing is, like, especially with social media or any technology, when you get off – When you shut your computer down, do you have more joy in your heart or has it sucked the joy out of you? And use that as your metric. When I'm going on to post something, is it going to bring more joy into people's lives or is it going to make them feel worse about themselves? So I think we have to be really mindful, especially as you are become an influencer. If you have a message, if you have people following you on any scale, if that's five people, 500, 5,000, 5 million, you have a, you, there is a a privilege that we have with this immediate access. So we have to be super mindful of not just creating inspiring messages, but allowing people to see a little bit of of all of ourselves, not just that highlight reel. Not just the highlight
0: reel. Yes. So when it comes to our money, a lot of us who may be struggling with debt or perhaps of a a mindset of you know inadequacy. I could never be rich. I can't make more. I can't get out of debt. Um, how do we get in the mindset to be able to believe that we're capable of more? And I have a feeling that this is advice that could translate to all sorts of challenges. But you know, think keeping in mind our audience. What would you say to somebody who's just like, I don't even know if I have what it takes to be to have a, a healthy relationship with money or to get out of debt because so much of it is mindset work. It's not just crunching numbers and putting money here and there. It's actually believing you can do it.
1: Yeah, and I think that's such a great question because money is such an emotional issue, um, and I think a lot of us, myself included, feel very inadequate with our backstory around money. I I know for my family, we didn't talk about it because we didn't have it. It was always a struggle, and so when things were a struggle, we keep that quiet, we hide that, and then if we ever did have a good moment, which in my family we didn't around money, but then in the English culture, you don't brag about it. So there's all this and having more than they have. So I think it absolutely is a mindset. And when we talk about mindset, I would love your listeners to realize this is not woo woo. This science is now showing that your brain cannot tell the difference between the external facts and the internal stories you write about these facts. So for me to say, I am stupid around money, my brain's going to take that on and I'm going to shut down the part of my brain that I actually need to utilize to study what you're saying, Farnoosh, to listen to your podcast, to become more educated. But if I come to the money from a place of curiosity and Carol Dweck talks, About this a lot in her book, mindset, fixed mindset versus growth mindset, and I think a lot of us, especially around money, we have this fixed idea of "I was poor as a kid, that's my future." I don't understand money. I'm no good with. We have these absolutes, this black and white thinking. So I would encourage the listeners, and this is something I'm working on myself very hard right now because I'm realizing my own money stories. A sense of scarcity and a sense of inadequacy around knowing what to do with my money. But what I'm realizing now is if I come to my money stories with a sense of curiosity, a sense of openness and with open ended questions um, versus saying I'm not good with money, going, what do I need to learn to become better with my money? who could help me with this money and i think because money is such a hot button topic we often like it's so weird farnoush i ask for help in so many other areas of my life and this is completely honest for your listeners only last i had had my money sitting with a with a financial institution for 15 years and people moved in moved out i get notices that this person is now overseeing your money that, and i just wouldn't look at it mm-hmm. And finally, last year, I went, this is crazy. I don't even know the face of who is owning my money. And so I finally woke up. I learned what it was I needed to learn. I asked a friend for help, got a financial advisor I trusted. I met this. This is the first time for me. I had a face-to-face meeting with someone who was overseeing my retirement, and she learned my stories, my struggles, my financial, um, my my resistance to, you know, what I could handle in terms of tolerance of risk and my age, and and it was so liberating because I learned to ask for help. So I think... your listeners, A, no, you're not alone in this. And I think this whole idea, oh my God, I'm the only one that doesn't know what to do with my money. All my other friends seem to have it dialed in. I feel like there's a whole story again. I feel so stupid around money. You're not stupid around money who taught us i mean maybe now they do in schools my school i never learned anything about money where to invest it what to do with it what was you know what was sensible so i think again if we can get off this these fixed stories we tell ourselves and this is really important for your listeners to know because you talk about the beliefs beliefs are one thing recognizing your beliefs and then when we know and we can look at the tone of voice that we use on these money stories And often the judgment we have on ourselves for not being more educated around money, we can take the emotion out of it and then put the action we need to put behind these stories to turn them into something positive. Find the areas that we need to strengthen in our money history and our money, where we put our money and how we can earn more money and, you know, then, and then also get, stop being embarrassed about making money. Cause I think that's another thing. Knowing your worth and being paid for your time is not a, a selfish act. It's like, if you can't keep a roof over your head, how are you going to be of impact and be of influence in the way that you want to be to all the people around you?
0: Visit simplysafe.com slash money. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash money so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash money. That's really true. And I love that you started this off by saying it's not woo-woo. I think my listeners know me well enough to know that I'm not really into that kind of like lighting a candle <laughs> stuff. Uh that stuff that stuff sells really well, though, I don't know
1: the woo-woo into- stuff, yeah, because you know what I think it is. It taps into this idea of unfortunately, woo-woo doesn't replace action. And I think this is just me shooting off the top of my head right now. I think sometimes if we because you can't sit behind a belief. And believe it to be true, it's not going to happen. You have to put action behind your belief, but put action behind the right beliefs. So if my belief is I'm stupid around money, the action I'm going to put behind that is possibly inaction is an action of itself. mm mm-hmm. But if I can change that belief to "Wow, I'm not as, en- as I'm not as educated around money," and I can sit and and kind of meditate on that for a while in a way using woo woo terms, but it's not meditating to get more money. It's like, what is my story underneath that? Hmm.
0: Petra, take us down memory lane a little bit. You you kind of briefly describe childhood, or at least you know your culture of not talking about money and i think that was probably something that you were exposed to as a kid but what would you say is a money memory from childhood that has continued to stay with you all of these years you know our sponsor for this podcast is chase slate and they did a study looking at families and our communication around money and they did find that over half of parents have had a money talk with their kids so i always ask guests like what's a money memory from childhood or a conversation you have with your parents that good or bad has stayed with you
1: all the years? Wow, that is such a great question. And I've never, and it brought up such an, a trigger memory right now. So here's the thing. My dad was a salesman just quickly. And so, and he was, he was also a drinker. So he was a great salesman. He was also a great drinker. So he would get a job be really good at his job, get drunk and lose his job. So the money around that was always tension. We never spoke about it. But this is the thing I remember. He won a hundred pounds, which in the day was huge. And my mom made him, this is what my money memory is. It's the only time I ever saw a hundred pounds in real money. And mom made him show it to us and made him promise in front of us that this money was going to be spent on a holiday. Because she knew had he not done that, it had been spent on the bar and right. buying his friends drinks. So it was, it was the money stories from my, my childhood were always based around shame, worry, anxiety, panic, and when's the next time we're going to be told we don't have enough money. Because really quickly, we had the bailiffs knocking at our door three times trying to evict us. Yeah, wow. And it's always our mom going out and saving the day. So I've become very independent around that. But now talking about it, I think I need to book a session with you talking about it. <laughs> what I'm realizing is there's a lot of anxiety, like you have enough now, but there's no certainty around that. Ooh, this is powerful. I feel like mm. I, I need to pay you. This is like, no, yeah, really. I need to pay you.
0: You're doing us a service by sharing this with us because I don't think a lot. I think a lot of us, you know, we we obviously we empathize to a degree, you know, or have even some cases like worse or experiences. So we really appreciate you exposing that. And so, um,
1: so how is that showing
0: up in your life today?
1: I think the big thing for me is I am, you know. I'm pivoting my brand. So I'm, I'm, I'm making good money, but it's not to the level I would like it right now because I'm, you know, changing my message, changing my audience. You know, you have to spend money to make money, but I'm in a good place. I have a good runway. I have solid, you know, savings. I'm very, you know, very solid in that. I think mine, it's still around this, this whole thing of enoughness. Like, who am I to be charging this money for? A keynote, a product, uh, a book, a whatever. And if I really dial under that, it's got nothing to do with the money. It's got everything to do with the work of the self-worth, mm. that inner story that keeps us separated from our best self. And not to be braggadocious about it, but until we really can own our own worth, we will never be able to stand up in front of those who need our service and be a reflection in a way that is of service to both them and and ourselves. It has to be a two-way relationship. So I'm, in the past, I've been really good at giving, 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 giving. And that doesn't serve me. I just get exhausted. And then you get a bit resentful after a while, but it's no one's fault but my own. So I'm really just trying to also understand my value in this world, Mm -hmm. be inspired and motivated by the impact I make, but not look at the money and the income from that impact as a negative.
0: No. I mean, I I had... People tell me, you know, because I think we all, I think a lot of entrepreneurs go through this because there's no rule book as to like how to charge for your services, your products. I mean, there's definitely, you can look at what others are doing, but what you're so unique. It's really hard to compare. Can't say, well, you know, so-and-so is doing this, so I necessarily have to do it that way. And, um, you know, until you value yourself, there's no way to go out into the marketplace and truthfully and with conviction, sell your Ideas, your, your presentations, your services, your products. I mean, it's, you're going to come home and it's, it's just not going to work. It's just yeah. not going to work. You have to get into a, a good place with that.
1: Yeah. And I think it's like finding the impact that you want to make, finding your original story or your take on it, because the other thing is like, oh, there's nothing, you know, this has been said before. Yes, but not in your voice, in your methodology. And like you said, and then it comes back to like with the money, doing the work, do the work, show up, do the research, make beautiful slides. Rehe- I mean, I'm doing a keynote on Friday. I'm rehearsing this three times a day full out i'm doing the work and then you just have to let it go and if you can't you know if you can't value yourself there's other work that needs to be done and it's a long journey but it's absolutely worth taking because then all the work that you're doing can be supplemented with joy curiosity this anticipation for the future versus if we do the work from place of fear enoughness, doubt, worry. And it's just so stressful. So if you're going to work, you know, if you're going to work hard, which you do as an entrepreneur, please do the work so you can enjoy the journey along the way.
0: Yes. Wow. Okay. So Petra, tell us a little bit about your big money win. I want you to praise yourself a little bit. Like tell <laughs> us a so money moment that you're really excited that may have happened
1: recently or or back in the day when we're talking VHS tapes. Yeah, okay, we're not quite back in the day as VHS, but with, it's so interesting, Farnoosh, that you talk about this. The big money negotiations, I did for myself in the fitness world. I had two very big negotiations. They were both for infomercials at the time. And I didn't use an agent. I sat in with the table and I did it myself. And they gave me, they threw out a number. I came back with a much higher number. And they were asking me if I would budge on this number. And I went, no. And they said, what happens if we don't give it to you? I said, I'll walk away and that's okay. You can find someone else. It's so weird. In those moments, I completely trusted my worth and I got both of those deals. And I actually remember one time this woman actually walking out. She was so mad (laughs) that the company had agreed to pay me this amount of money. So in the big high price stakes things, I don't have a problem. I think it's the ongoing. so yeah, that those are two big wins. And I would walk out and I actually told an agent friend of mine and she like, she was, and she said, I'm so glad I didn't represent you because I'd have asked for at least 30,000 less than you got. So what? That, why would she say something I like that? But that made me feel really good. I'm like, you know what? I'm an okay. I'm 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 a, I'm a good self agent too. Yes. And it wasn't from a place of greed, but I also know in that moment, what value I brought to their company.
0: And sometimes you, there's no better person to negotiate on your behalf than yourself, right?
1: Yeah. And it's hard, too. But again, I do a lot of it now these days over email and always very nicely. But again, it's just and one less person for the person who's hiring you to deal with. And then I can write. And there are some things I don't negotiate myself, like, for example, my book contract and things that I don't have expertise in where you need to know the minutia and the details. But then the today, day to day, like booking speaking gigs and keynotes, I'll do that myself. It's a lot faster. I know my, you know, my price range. I feel good. About it. And it's just one less phone call that they have to make, and one less, you know, spoke in the wheel that could get, you know, misinterpreted or, you know, misunderstood.
0: So, Perfection Detox is out now, and we want to just congratulate you on that. Did you ever think you'd be an author?
1: Nope. Thank you so much. And I just like having this conversation with you and all the other things I've been doing leading up to the book launch. It's, and and you've, you've done this. You know what it's like. It's so interesting. You're in it for so long. And even now I just, um, just seeing the final book, it's still kind of like, I can't quite believe it. And I know there's much work to be done to build this into other material, but I feel really good about the message. I know it's changing women's lives. Especially, And that I do f- hear from a lot of women, they feel a lot less alone at the end of the book and, and the sense that there's more joy in their life. And that to me has been a that's a good day to hear something like that.
0: Well, I want to encourage everyone to pick it up. And also you have a podcast, Perfection Detox Podcast. You're going to read some incredible people there. Um, congratulations, Petra. And so glad that we got to do a do-over and that you are so generous to come back after some technical issues, but um, hope to run into you again in person.
1: Thank you so much for the
0: gift of your time. And thank you everyone for listening learn more about Petra, you can visit petrakolber.com. She's on Twitter at Petra Kolber. And her book is available everywhere. It's called The Perfectionism Detox. If you missed any of this, don't worry. You can go over to somoneypodcast.com where we've actually revised the site a bit. It's gotten a little snazzier, a little easier to navigate. And I hope you enjoy that. So do check it out. I would love your feedback. And while you're there, as always, you can click on the Ask Farnoosh button and send me your question for our Friday episodes. And always head on over to Instagram, right? I know we just finished talking about how Instagram can sort of sometimes make you feel terrible about yourself, but I promise that my Instagram feed is all about positivity and self-deprecation and most importantly answering your money questions. So if you follow me, you know that I do answer questions on the go in my stories section. So be sure to check that out, take advantage of that. And in the meantime, I hope your day is so money.